0: I'm glad you finally made it, buddy. What have you done to the studio? What's all this food doing in here? You're going to get the knob sticky! Well, as you
1: know, we're rapidly running out of episodes. Yeah, (laughs) you say that like it's a bad thing. Why don't you step over here with me? Okay. I've been running a series of simulations with a few of my colleagues at MIT, and as you can see from this autographed picture of Kyle McLaughlin that I drew hearts on, uh, our best guess is that we're going to run out of episodes in about 13 weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's actually 14 weeks, but... uh... We're diversifying, all right? What you see here are the humble beginnings of the Black Lodge Complaint Department. Mukbang channel. What the hell is a mukbang? You poor dumb bastard. It's all the rage these days. What what we're gonna do is I'm gonna sit in front of this expensive camera, talk about Twin Peaks, and eat donuts and cherry pie, and ask for donations, and we're gonna be rich. Okay, okay, okay. This is a terrible idea. Who helped you set
0: this mess up? Was it
1: the new intern? Where is that little piece of shit? Oh, this is boring. And your show is stupid? And you two are super cringy.
0: That's enough out of you, Chad! Yeah, Chad! We know our show is stupid! Now shut up and go wait outside until we blow the intern whistle! Chad Chad is the worst! God, Chad is the worst! complaint department your source for all the twin peaks ire you could possibly handle i am your host daniel williams and i'm your co-host
1: adam bauer dan how are you today
0: i'm okay i am not feeling this episode it was uh it was a roller coaster of weird
1: it was i particularly like this episode because on the surface level it seems kind of uneventful and i mean of course everything you know there's something happening in every episode but after the initial jostle this definitely feels like an episode where hey We've made our major character movements, and things are kind of simmering, yeah. and the plot's moving along, but this episode is just jam-packed with a oh, lot yeah. of subtle clues, some of which you noticed in your notes, a few others you didn't, that have <laughs> some pretty profound implications. So, theory-wise, I really like this episode, and, okay. I, and I also like it because it's so unassuming. Yeah, every episode of Twin Peaks,
0: I like to sit quietly, just... Before I hit play, clear my mind a little in a, an attempt to calm my brain before diving into the never-ending madness. And I got to tell you, Adam, with this episode especially, it did not help.
1: Well, you do know that Lynch is a huge supporter of transcendental meditation. I do. Right? I do know that. <laughs> well, I've started meditating uh, did like you? about a month ago. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Um, and it's kind of wonderful how useful it is as far as a tool is just keeping focus. Yeah. Um, So, I don't know, maybe you should work in 10 minutes of meditation before you sit down uh, and watch an episode. I applaud you. (laughs) I don't know what it means to meditate. Um, Hey, maybe we can have a Black Lodge complaint department about meditation sometime in the future. Maybe Maybe if people want to hear let us know. So, let's go ahead and jump into this. Okay, let's get started. This is Twin Peaks, Season 3, Episode 5, known as Part 5. The original air date, June 4th, 2017. So, here we are about two years later. Of course, written by Frost and Lynch, directed by Lynch. Let's get into it. So we start off in Ranchero Rosa in yeah. Las Vegas. It's nighttime. Yeah, it's nighttime, and we see the goons. Yeah, the goons that we spotted when uh, Cooper left the love den. Yeah. The uh, fuck palace, yeah, as the, I call it. and Dougie and Jade were in. Yeah, and there's an angry lady on the phone. We figure it out pretty quickly that she's obviously their employer. Yeah. She is very frightened because yeah. they did not succeed in their initial plan to kill Cooper as Cooper he came Dougie. out. He is still alive. And she uh, pretty much screams like, hey, are you guys trying to get me killed? So she is very terrified of whoever hired her to kill Cooper. She
0: nervously sends a message
1: (laughs) via her BlackBerry. And I'm like, what year is this, man? Well, I'm sure you've noticed a trend with Mr. C that he... The technology that he uses and manipulates in most cases is, is not super modern. Some of it is, but I think he... Uh, there's major implications in the show that he's able to corrupt the technology in this world to to bend, you know, to bend to his needs. So and I think we're seeing her using one of his devices to send him a message that he's not dead and she is, does not want to send that message to him. <laughs> well, it does. I mean... I thought that she was calling the Black Lodge Complaint
0: Department, if I'm and being honest, like, hey. because uh, there was a black box in a bronze bowl. And I'm
1: like, uh, she, okay, In fine. a creepy basement. Yeah, yeah in a well, weird basement. She sends uh, the word argent, which means silver or white in heraldic texts. Oh, sure. Uh, almost a common French word as well. And that means, uh, for our purposes, don't know. Don't know. <laughs> well, uh, the name of the country Argentina is, in fact, an Italian, and it means made of silver or silver colored. So... Come to find later in this episode that this bowl and this, whatever this black box is, you're is in Argentina. Uh, yeah, yeah right. I mean, yeah, you yeah, right. know nice. this in hindsight.
0: We're going to move to Buckhorn, South Dakota. Yeah,
1: Constance is... Uh, That's her name? I'll Constance, never lock yeah. that in. I need two seasons of a show to lock a character in. Yeah, well, she's digging into <laughs> Briggs' <his> body. yeah. <laughs>
0: She says, cause of death, and I say, is it beheading? And then she says, beheading. And I was like, ah! (laughs) She and I are on the same wavelength. uh, And I was very, very pleased.
1: Yeah, she rattles off a few jokes.
0: Yeah, she's killing it with this comedy bit. And then it turns out she does stand-up on the weekends.
1: (laughs) And I'm like, I love Constance. sign me up. I love this, the mortician that moonlights as a comedian. That is
0: amazing. This is my, yeah. my up on this roller coaster adventure of this
1: episode. This was definitely a peak for me. Well, there's not a whole lot of information here. We do no. know that his, he was decapitated. Hopefully, it was after he's dead, or we don't know. Ugh. He hadn't eaten anything in days, food. But he did have something of note in his stomach.
0: Yeah, I want to play you the stomach contents of John Doe for yeah. this purpose.
1: Yeah, I'm still doing stand up on the weekends. This man hadn't eaten for days, at least not any food, but I found this in his stomach. Maybe it's just me, but I'd start with the wife. It's inscribed? Yes, it says, To Dougie, with love, Janie E a wedding ring. Not just a wedding ring. Ew. He has Dougie's wedding ring. So somehow, yeah. Briggs swallowed his wedding ring. <sighs> Very confused. Did he do this in 1989? Has Dougie been around that long? I <sighs> Dougie was generated sometime probably in the mid-90s, mid to late okay. 90s. We do know that Briggs died in a fire yeah. at the station in 1989, right. but we can see from the body that that is not a burned body. No. So. The fact that he died in a fire in 1989 is probably not true.
0: Oh, I didn't think that he died in a... Okay. uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I didn't think that he actually died in the fire, but I guess I still thought that he died in 1989. Listen, my
1: thoughts are wibbly wobbly here, man. Well, we do know that Briggs is familiar with the White Lodge, and last time he went to the White Lodge or was at least taken by the White Lodge, he disappeared for several days and showed up wearing old-timey flight gear. So, time. Time. Okay. I but like it is is—it is here. like, yeah, Constance is a cool character, but why the F does Briggs have this? Do you have any initial speculations? No, why? with stuff
0: like this, man, I'm just like... Yeah, it is kind I of d- out there right yeah. now.
1: It will kind of come together. Okay. They're not going to hit you over the head with it, but we'll figure it out.
0: I'm guessing he was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> really hungry. Okay. We stay in South Dakota, yeah. and we move to the state penitentiary.
1: Mr. C Mr. is C. chilling in his uh, jail cell in the federal prison. Yeah,
0: man. Mr. C is being brought food. Why isn't he in Gen Pop? Is this penitentiary so fancy that all inmates have their meals hand-delivered? I know. So... Wanky. Well, he's
1: probably in holding for a few days. I don't know how long they can hold him. Yeah. But this is the first of several weird occurrences that I mentioned at the beginning of the episode here. Okay. Because it's worth noting that in this scene, Mr. C is lying on bed. And after a beat or so, he says, food is coming. Yeah. And sure enough, around that corner comes a guard with a tray of food. So I don't know.
0: He's got a clock in there. He knows what time well, it's right. I know.
1: But we know, but we know what we're fucking dealing with here. We're <laughs> dealing with other worldly forces and yeah. things. What this says to me is that, A, he knew what was coming, which tells me he's done all of this before, so he knows what's happening. Or B, which is a more terrifying implication, is that he is able to control that. So Um. this is something's not quite right. And this is the first of several times in this episode that we're scratching our heads that it's something isn't adding up here. But. We're gonna keep moving on. Well, see, I didn't think either one of those things. I thought that he had the ability to maybe see
0: into the future. Yeah,
1: that could be. You're right. You're that's a great theory too. But it's but it's wrong, Daniel. Yeah, it's wrong. But it's not a coincidence that <laughs> we see him basically say, "Hey, it's coming," and we see it immediately. Or so.
0: maybe it's something as simple as food is always delivered at noon and five. You know. Yeah. No, mm-hmm.
1: you're right. It could be. But, <laughs> but moving again, on, it's not, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> but moving on, uh, he gets up to wash his hands. Uh, good
0: manners are important,
1: so yeah. I appreciate this and. We get a little bit of a flashback to season two when, when Mr. C was in the Black Lodge uh, yeah. having a good chuckle with Bob. He's intensely staring into the mirror, as we all do yeah. when we're washing our hands. It's you totally like, normal. If you look like Kyle McLaughlin, I would imagine you're like, yeah, oh, that's good. right. <laughs>
0: Wash those hands. <laughs> Ugh.
1: so this part is pretty cool because he looks into the mirror and we all know mirrors and Bob and that's yeah. typically when he reveals himself he, he looks and he isn't sure if Bob is still there which is cool to think he wasn't totally sure that Bob hadn't left
0: right his face slowly kind of starts to meld into like this Bob Mr. C amalgamation it was, yeah. it was cool I like that it was another creepy yeah, yeah. he says like you said uh, you're still with me that's good now my question is this What would it mean for Mr. C if Bob wasn't with him? What is their symbiotic relationship? Is Mr. C a vessel the same way Leland was? Or is this a different kind of relationship?
1: Yes and no. It's still a similar symbiotic relationship in terms of Bob as an insatiable evil spirit that just consumes pain and suffering, hitching a ride on an evil creature. The real point here is that Mr. C wasn't sure if Bob was still there because he wasn't sure if Bob had got pulled back yesterday. He wasn't Mm. sure if the rules of the lodge said, eh, fine, you figured out a way to stay on the physical plane. But Bob, no, he's got to come back. And that wasn't the case. So Mr. C was like, as long as I didn't get pulled back in, you didn't. Cool, you're still here. So it not only establishes that Bob and Mr. C are still together and fused in some horrifying way. (laughs) Um, But it it also shows us that Bob didn't get pulled back during the fiasco a day prior when the pullback should have happened.
0: Well, that's interesting that you bring that up. I never considered that because I thought that Bob could kind of come and go
1: as he pleased. Maybe he can, but Mr. C didn't know. So it's cool that Mr. C knows some how to kind of get around the rules, but not enough. You know, not so much that he wasn't sure that Bob... Hadn't left too.
0: What would Mr. C be without Bob? Does he have a personality of his own? Does yeah, he's he have... still
1: an evil version of Cooper. So, yeah, he would be just as dangerous on his own.
0: So, we move from the state penitentiary. I wasn't sure where, but we are back in Twin Peaks. Yeah,
1: we don't know this when the scene first pops up, but yeah, we're in Twin Peaks.
0: And we see Snake! yes yeah, Snake yeah! makes his return. Full head of hair. So, he calls in Steven. Do you remember this actor? Yeah, he was in Get Out. He was in Get Out. Is this this guy's look? I think so. I think that's... Scuzzball, shit hair, like always stoned because he looked like the same person. Yeah,
1: he's got, he, he has that threatening, skeevy personality down. He plays that role very well. He looks like a meth addict. He does. He looks like a, a genuine drug addict. Yeah. He is, and he's in for a job interview with our old friend Snake, yeah. who now looks like a very well-established businessman. Car dealership car dealer i don't know yeah, he, he's got piles of paperwork yeah. so he looks like an important he man. looks important <laughs> he's at least legit you know yeah, i
0: like this guy
1: This guy, I like this guy. He lays into Steven because Steven just half-assed his application. Tough love, motherfucker, this guy, Mike. Like, you didn't fill it out correctly. You left stuff blank. If you ever want to get a job, you got to show some respect for your potential employer. It was a good moment for him, and it was essentially a cameo. I don't think we see Mike again. God
0: damn it. I know this scene ends after he kicks fucking Steven out of his office, and that's it. No, wait. I was so interested. (laughs) Twin Peaks loves to do that to me, man. It'll hit on something really innocuous that I find really interesting for unknown reasons and then takes it away from me. Ugh. Well, we go. Yeah, we're still in Twin Peaks,
1: but yeah. we're moving to the sheriff's station.
0: Where new
1: Truman is on the phone with Harry, who is dying. Yeah. I, I keep forgetting that. They're talking about treatment, so the implication is that yeah, Harry is struggling with aggressive yeah. cancer somewhere off screen. I don't like it's that. It's sad, yeah. Yeah. He's hanging out in Hawk's office. This is worth noting because in a few moments his wife storms in and yeah, yeah. he's like, "You're not in your office, Darcy, man." Yeah, this is the first time we're meeting her, and first impressions are not that great. She just immediately starts laying into Frank.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything constructive to say about this scene. You don't so, know her. We don't yeah. know her
1: as a viewer. We we're not too sure who they are or what their relationship is. But from what we see right here, this looks like a very toxic relationship yeah. because. Frank sits stoically in his chair as Darcy goes on and on, very aggressively, about pets with diarrhea, a leaky pipe, uh, cars needing repair, and wanting money for a new rug. And she's not well. And that's more or less it for this scene too. this is old school bam. Twin Peaks, bam, bam, and just, bam. Yeah,
0: <laughs> blasting through these, going little... all over the place. Okay, so Frank—that's his name. I don't know how to feel about this guy because he seems like he's taking a lot of shit from his wife, but also he's not communicating very well to his wife. So I don't
1: like her behavior. I'm not a fan of his either. It looks like he understands the best way to handle the situation is to just remain as calm as he can and just kind of let her go through what she's going through. (laughs) Well, from here, we got to move over to 25-140 Lancelot Court.
0: This is the same day from last week's episode. This
1: series takes place over the course of a week, much like the first series. So it's a very short amount of time.
0: All right. These, uh, I mean, that's a lot of pancakes to be going
1: through if it's the same. But he's been gone for 25 years. He has a pancake debt that he needs to repay. You know what? I can understand that completely. Cake for
0: breakfast. Why the hell not? I even said in my notes, these motherfuckers have been eating pancakes forever. Which, now that I type that, seems like a dream come yeah. true. Heaven? Yeah, that's heaven yeah. on Earth. Heaven is a place
1: on Earth, and heaven is a belly full of pancakes. Let's go to the pancake plantation after this. Ooh, let's go to a different pancake okay. place.
0: So, so
1: J.D.E. counted the winnings from the Silver Mustang, and it's yeah. 425000 bucks. Damn, dude. Because it did not look like yeah. that much when he's was just rolling in quarters. And we know Dougie... Had a gambling problem. It sounds like they were in debt to loan sharks or whoever. So this is a huge reset button for their family.
0: Let me ask you this. Are they in debt to any of the villainous characters we've seen thus far? No. Wow. <laughs> really? Not No, even th- that's okay. just the
1: problem of that family. Let's okay. look at it that way. All right. It is All connected right. to the larger narrative, sure. but it's that problem is just a problem that Dougie made for his family. Okay. She's tying his tie the best way she can because Dougie is inept. Mm -hmm. They're outside on the front lawn getting ready to head out to work for the day. And this is a really sweet scene because Cooper kind of has a moment of Silent reflection as he looks at Sonny Jim sitting in the car, who looks kind of just bored. He's waiting to get started for the day. But Cooper starts crying, which kind of shows us that, hey, Cooper's still in there. Because is he crying because he realizes this young man just lost his father? Is he crying because he realizes that genetically and physically this is his son, but it's not his? And it's a very impactful scene, at least for me.
0: I... Do not recall him crying Yeah, at all. You were probably so busy
1: taking notes, but... It's not impactful to me. It's a
0: very brief beat, but it's there. Well, during that, Janie E. finally acknowledges that Dougie is acting weird as shit, yeah. right? But still doesn't really seem to do anything about it, because, I mean, why would you want to be seriously concerned about the mental health of your husband and perhaps take him to the hospital? Sure, it, and yeah.
1: Evaluated. He's just a dumb husband. Am I right, ladies? No. In the real world, you are absolutely right. This guy would have been at the hospital hours ago. Yes, but this is not the re- this is not real world. This record is, scratch. Yeah, what? That's kind of the shtick is that people should be getting him to the hospital, but they're not. You know? No, I feel like that's a fundamental problem here. Fair enough. That's you know because it's the, not
0: like he's got a weird tick. He is a catatonic. walking vegetable. Yes, you
1: know? it doesn't bother me the same way it bothers you, but I I understand where you're coming from. All right.
0: Well. They get in the car and they head off to their various places of employment, and we cut over to Ranchero Rosa, where the goon squad is driving by Dougie's fuck palace again. and
1: Making sure the explosive device is still attached to still the bottom ha- of Dougie's car. Hasn't
0: gone off, which I guess is good and bad.
1: Yeah. It's a very quick scene because we're just establishing. Uh, that still is this, happening. Yeah, it's just yeah. an establishing shot for later what happens later in the episode. Yeah,
0: angsty teens pull up. That's what happens next. They're playing loud rock and or roll music, and they look menacing. Adam, as an elderly person, I feel
1: menaced. And they are scoping Dougie's car as well, but for different reasons.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure what this was all heading towards at the beginning of this scene, but I like where it went. It was wacky later on. It was cartoonish later on. It was. I mean, and that's it. Like you said, that just establishes mm-hmm. basically it's setting up something for later on. And we're going to move to Lucky Seven Insurance. Yep. Dougie is an insurance salesman. Yeah, that tracks the Guy stereotypical is. character that he was and the stereotypical way that we. Assume insurance salespeople to be.
1: Yeah. Okay, sure. And I'm curious, was Dougie just a bad person because he was an inferior copy of Cooper? Was it because he was made by Mr. C and Mr. C wanted him to be kind of evil? Or, you know, was it just the way he turned out Mr. C wasn't expecting it? I think it's because he's an inferior copy of Mr. C, you know? That could be it, yeah. Mr. C is evil. Dougie is dumb and
0: bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good point, yeah. So... Dougie's standing in the lobby of Lucky Seven, just being Dougie like the Dougie that we know now is just a dumb He's guy. He's wearing his
1: giant green blazer that's two sizes too big, and he is overwhelmed. Did you notice when uh, when we hit the parking lot outside of the office building, there were a series of red balloons up there? Really? Yeah. No, I didn't notice. What I noticed in this scene is
0: when Dougie is absentmindedly standing in the courtyard or the lobby or wherever. This gives David Lynch ample opportunity to have lady extras walk into frame from the angle of the camera so that we can see their butts.
1: You've heard it here first, folks. Lynch can never film a female behind again. It's
0: just absurd. What is the purpose of those women other than they're not walking in from the side of the frame. They're walking in from camera perspective, away from the camera, specifically so we can see their butts. I think you're
1: overcomplicating things.
0: Uh, Knowing what I know about David Lynch, I absolutely am not. That's exactly... (laughs) I mean, I haven't spoken to the man. I I can't confirm, but it's totally what he was doing. Well, I mean... He wanted butts on the screen. He got butts on the screen. Well, I brought... uh, They could have been
1: men. I brought someone else in to watch the scene after reading your note and said, hey, and this is a person that's never seen Twin Peaks before. And I said, I want you to watch the scene. Tell me what you think of it. Like, give me a read on the scene. And watches the scene and... What he was focused on was Dougie and his green jacket. There okay. wasn't anything, any notice of butts. And there were, I paid attention. I'm like, yeah, there's women of all sizes, some men in there. And I don't know. I think that might be a little bit nitpicky. Like, I, I mean, but... <laughs> there's
0: inherent sexism and maybe not even consciously choosing women to walk there. But if you're just like, give me some ladies, I need them walking through here that's the problem and it's fair, not like you know let's have extras and, and
1: fair enough and fair enough. May, and maybe he is not sensitive to that point of view you know he makes movies how he's gonna make them and i don't think he should be unable to film female behinds because he has naked women sometimes or you know i don't know but i, I see where you're coming he's
0: from. allowed to do whatever he wants
1: as i am allowed to comment to can criticize on it you're right choices you know so and we are at a brave new age of media where, you know, things are changing and moving in different directions. And he I, is
0: very brave to film those women's butts. <laughs> very brave. <laughs> David Lynch, I've said it once, I'll say it again, feminist icon. So, this fucking
1: dude walks up with like a hundred coffees, right? Yes. Paul, I recognize Paul. Well, I didn't recognize him, but there are a lot of, I don't watch a lot of television. Surprisingly, in, folks, I don't watch a lot of TV. I think he was in 30 Rock. He was... Okay he's like a very minor
0: character. No big deal, but I was like, I how do I know this guy too? <laughs> so he walks up. He says something. Phil, you? his name is Phil, Phil not I'm Paul. I'm sorry, not Paul. You're you're right. Let's not get started
1: on this whole Oh boy. <laughs> and what he will. He he luckily he. Scoops I just don't up Dougie. even care. I don't care yeah. about this guy. Let's, yeah, he Phil scoops up Dougie and Dougie gets a whiff of the coffee and just follows him like a lemming into the elevator and takes a coffee. But he takes somebody else's coffee. Does he takes Paul? Is that why? I don't know. <laughs> there, yeah, he, The guy, the green latte guy in the conference room scene, it's his coffee. It was Frank's. And uh, Phil's like, well, I got a green latte. We'll give it to Frank. But anyway, it's just bullshit. I know. thought we
0: were almost done with this
1: episode. This was the time you were like, oh, hey, look at this. Another yeah. week, another episode. Oh, 41 shit. minutes we had left at this point. I'm like, it was exhausting. It th- I was so tired. Like was- I said, it's a very... On the surface, a very uneventful episode. Oh, God.
0: Okay. They get into a conference room. They got a big meeting,
1: okay? And Dougie's just standing there.
0: Yeah. There's some minor character interactions where I guess we're trying to learn about people without yeah. focusing too much on them, because I have to assume that none yeah, of these Yeah, there are a lot matter. of
1: people that aren't going to matter. The one person that does matter, Anthony Sinclair. Tony! Yeah. This guy's a douche. So Anthony Sinclair, played by Tom Sizemore, corners Dougie and, and kind of like, ah, how was uh, the bender? Rawr. You know, kind of just yeah. some jovial old douchebag back and forth at the office and cooper's not even paying attention he's just sipping his coffee staring at the floor anthony <laughs> sinclair is taken aback obviously him and dougie were maybe in cahoots together or, you know kind of shitheads together
0: yeah dickhead pals mm-hmm. yeah
1: but anyway this isn't that's not dougie so he's not having any of that and he kind of just sits down with everybody else frank gets mad about dougie drinking his coffee and so phil hands over a green tea latte have you ever
0: heard of a green tea latte God damn it. It's Chai or get the fuck out.
1: He takes a sip and he's like, okay, you know what? I think I found my new favorite thing. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. So
0: they have a meeting and Tony says something insurance-y about having to pay out a claim. Yeah.
1: Something isn't right. He's trying to rush through it and basically, hey, it was cleared. This is an arson. We need to pay it out. Moving on. Yeah. And what happens is another one of these little subtle references in this episode. We see a quick flash of green light. Yeah. go across Tony's face. And immediately, Cooper kind of snaps out of it and says in full-on Cooper voice... He's He's lying. lying. You know, he just read right through him. So it was a little signal that Cooper picked up on. And boy, Tony is pissed. Yeah, like, where do you get off calling me a liar in front of everybody? Definitely brought the temperature down in the room. So Bushnell, the guy that runs the insurance agency. Bushnell. Yeah, the old guy. He's not liking what he's hearing, and he doesn't like Mm. the behavior he's seeing from Dougie. So he wants Dougie to stop by his office immediately after the meeting. And that's fine. That's fine.
0: We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll see exactly what Bushnell's got to say. Yeah, let's see. After the accidental death of their close buddy Eugene, a group of six friends gathers in a backyard Fallout Bunker for one last D&D game to mourn his loss and celebrate his life. All is going as well as it can until an earth-shaking event pulls the group into a millennia-long war between two interdimensional empires. Follow the trials and tribulations of being in over your head when it comes to interdimensional war, interspecies relations, and the complete destruction of all universes in A Beginner's Guide to Interplanetary Destruction, an uh, award-nominated narrative podcast from the Calamity Cast Network. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Google
1: Podcasts, Stitcher, and CalamityCast.com. So we're back in Bushnell's office, who's got a giant picture of himself in the back. He used to be a a prize fighter.
0: (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Did they ever give this man's name? Because in my notes, all I called him was Big Boss Man. I think his name's dropped a couple times. Okay. Well, Phil... And some lady walked Dougie in and God damn it, I guess I'm just going to have to keep harping on this because the idea that he's just being dragged around like a goddamn rag doll because nobody's like, this person needs to be assessed. <laughs> They're just like, man, nah, just drag this full grown man to the next room that he's got to be in. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> OK, he's just like this. he's a walking brainless skin suit. Big boss man Bushnell, he's mad at Dougie. He is, because he's kind of being a shit
1: disturber, isn't he? Yeah,
0: I guess Dougie is not good at his job, and he disappears for days on end. Right. Which is weird that he's still employed, but I guess we won't get into
1: that. Bushnell drops a few words that jog Coop's memory. Yeah, a little bit. Agent, case files, and he immediately perks up and repeats these words. He's still in uh, full-on, not-quite-there mode, but he definitely is grabbing on to pieces of information in the world that kind of start to bring him back.
0: So from there... We cut to the hallway where we get another pee-pee gig. Yeah, Cooper
1: still hasn't figured out how to use the bathroom. He is like yeah. a child yeah, right he's, now. He's very innocent. He's got to hit the Wiz Palace and some lady walks out of the women's yeah, she was. This is the lady that very coldly reacted to another co-worker hitting on her. Yeah, But what happens here is she takes him to the, the ladies' bathroom because she wrongly assumes that the men's bathroom is occupied. But she takes him up to the ladies' bathroom and then propositions a kiss. Did, yeah, did she say, I'll let you kiss me? Yes. And you know, it, it's implying that when dougie was dougie he kept hitting on her yeah. but she kept rejecting him but now new more svelte handsome cooper is there now she's receptive to it but he's not even there so he just goes in and pees and she kind of laughs it off
0: it's fucking insane like does dougie having a fresh haircut and maybe losing some weight turn him into some fucking las don vegas juan. don juan yeah like he has got no personality at this point <laughs> what is
1: happening am i in crazy world
0: i, feel, I call shenanigans adam shenanigans
1: Okay. I'm writing this down for the Black Lodge oh, Complaint God. Department. Yeah, I'm, I'm putting it into the slot. Complaint filed. <laughs> over to Silver
0: Mustang Casino. I, oh, yeah, boy. we're in the
1: security room. and The uh, tone changes here, man. Yeah, The pit boss is standing in the security office waiting, yeah. and there's another assistant over to the side signaling that somebody is coming up. So I think he's about to answer to his handler's. About what happened, but the beginning of the scene, there's a still of Cooper sitting at one of the slot machines, yeah. one of the the ones that the mega jackpots hit. Right. If you look at the upper right hand corner of the screen, there's a green line going right from the machine outward. Oh, so really? I think what we're getting here is the green is the White Lodge or Good Mojo helping Cooper out. So God,
0: White Lodge, just fucking jump in and be more
1: hands on. Maybe they found it's the best way is to not get too up in our business and kind of let things shake out the best they can unless it's a situation like this where the scales are being tipped
0: i know i'm gonna say like is it the best way because the black lodge just steps in and does what it wants and they seem to be doing pretty well for
1: themselves
0: okay so angry brett gelman and russian gaevich their bosses come in. Who
1: are the Mitchum brothers. We've yeah. got Rodney and Bradley Mitchum. So, Bradley Mitchum is played by James Belushi, another cameo. And Rodney Mitchum is played by uh, Robert Nepper, who is in Prison Break. And they are convinced that Brett Gelman was in on the take with Dougie. Yeah. I
0: mean, that's just jumping to conclusions. It
1: is. And we see some pretty nasty uh, White Lodge collateral damage here yeah. when he just gets brutally beaten within an inch of his life. I think the most surprising thing
0: about the scene was that the casino owners cared so much about what I assume in casino terms, is a,
1: such a small amount of money. Half, oh, Almost half a million dollars, but yeah. I mean, that's still, I don't think any casino is prepared to dole out half a million dollars in I a don't day. know. It just made me feel like they were kind of two-bit. You know? Yes, that is a good point. Something isn't going right for these two yeah. right now. That this is not what they needed. Well, I didn't need to see a man get beaten within an inch of It was life, very but... it's startling. And <laughs> the
0: other guy gets his job. Yeah. And I, if I was Russian Gaevich, I'd be like, you know, actually, this is my two weeks. Putting in my two weeks. Yeah. And they tell the pit boss to leave town and never come back. Never <laughs> to Las Vegas. I'm like, no problem. I'll go to Reno. <laughs> I mean, I'll go to Ranchero Rosa, which is where we're headed. So. Here, we're hanging out with the
1: drug addict lady that lives across the street from the fuck palace. She's passed out. She's not doing well. The kid is going around playing, and so he heads outside to go play in the yard across the street. And we know that the explosive device is in that car. It's a very dangerous place for this young man to hang out. That little boy beelines for the explosive device because he saw it get installed onto the car. It's almost as if he leaves the house and just, where is the most dangerous spot? The middle of the road? No. Near that flashing thing under the car. And luckily, he gets chased off by these scary youths. Yeah, not the assassins, the kids that were casing the car to steal
0: it. I assume they wanted to break in to the house. They get it started, and um, it explodes. I have two things. Sure. First of all, the windows on this car are totally blown out, okay? And this small child is like eight feet from the He is the not far away, no. And he is totally undamaged, entirely undamaged. So how did this kid not, not get, get hit? hit?
1: the White Lodge, baby, I don't know. I don't. I just think he wasn't supposed to get hit, so that's not what happened. You're right, he probably like, would have, his ears oh yeah. would be bleeding at the very least. Oh, yeah, he would have been explosions just... Explosions are hard. Yeah, explosions are dangerous.
0: <laughs> okay, number B. How did this explosive device work, Adam? It wasn't wired to the car. Maybe
1: whenever a vibration or, or something, I don't know. That Hard kid to say. put his hand on that explosive device. Maybe he almost triggered the device. Who knows?
0: Man, I'm just saying, I feel like David Lynch doesn't know as much about explosives as the general yeah. populace seems to think he does.
1: <laughs> and car crashes.
0: Yeah, he's not up on his devastating automobile-related yeah. carnage. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: again, we're moving along again. we're gonna... Oh, yeah. There's a charred body
0: lying on the ground outside this car, and this kid is... Now I've been traumatized again, Eh, but we gotta go. We gotta move on.
1: Yeah, okay, so yeah, he he leaves, and we leave as well. Yeah, we're going
0: to what I'm calling the Las Vegas Car Wash Emporia. Yeah,
1: Jade's getting her sweet yellow Jeep detailed.
0: And... Nothing, really, nothing happens here.
1: Well, this is another one of those scenes that just you wouldn't wouldn't even really notice it if yeah. I didn't point it out to you. And I'm not surprised you missed it because I didn't notice it my first time either. But here's another scene that has some pretty wild implications about what we're seeing here. Okay. So when the car is being detailed, yeah. he finds Cooper's key right. to room 315 at the Great Northern. She gives it to Jade, who takes a look at the key and then flips it over. Did you see what it said on the back? No, I assumed it said if you find this key, mail it back it here. It did, it did okay. say that, but it also said clean plastic. Place reasonably priced. Oh yeah, okay, I did see that. Yeah. Right? Did that not set any alarm bells off in your head? That was what Cooper said he needed when he went to Twin Peaks, but that wasn't like a call. That wasn't like a slogan oh. for the Great Northern. Oh, I thought so, maybe it was. I don't know. So either this is a production error, or is it just like how like a fun like wink to the show, or something isn't right? Back to some of the things I've been mentioning. So it's not in your face. It's not yeah. all over the place. It's scratching your head, like what? That wasn't a thing. What?
0: I don't know. I mean, I I read it. I, that innocuous thing.
1: I didn't give it a second thought because it just could have been a lot of things. Yeah,
0: or or, or which is just as likely is nothing.
1: <laughs> well, we're gonna move on. Okay. Yeah. Because she throws that key in the mail.
0: Yeah, and then she takes off. All right. So we get back to Twin Peaks, and now we are in the double R, and there's a lot of stuff going on in this quick little scene. Yeah. Amanda Seyfried. Seyfried is I don't know. Yeah. She she Lovely walks in, actors. man. I didn't know she was in the show.
1: Mm-hmm. And we see Norma for the first time. We
0: do. Looking good. She looks- Yeah, fantastic. Aged Peggy well. Lipton. It's crazy how
1: some people look like shit as they age and some people- they... Genetics, man. Yeah. Yeah. She's in the back of the double R in one of the booths, crunching numbers, doing I, bills I, and yeah. doing her thing. So Amanda walks in
0: and she's got a bread delivery. So Norma shouts out, Toad, bread's here. And toads working in the kitchen. No. He went from eating all the delicious food and you know he learned the recipes. Dad, he learned the recipes so Dad. well. He's Dad. like, you know what? I could cook these with my eyes closed. I don't even need you to write it down. I Dad. know all of it. Dad!
1: That's not the same toad.
0: How is it not the same toad? How many toads are in Twin Peaks? Is this Toad Jr.? They're, they're this that a, to-
1: they had a boom of toad names.
0: <laughs> You know what? The old toad died, so we had to import a new
1: toad. Norma calls this cook Toad, but he's not connected to the customer called Toad in the original series who had popped up a few times. Says who, man? I think that it's the same guy, and he just lost some weight. There you go. So, okay, Becky rolls in. So let's just call her by her name, Becky. Fine. Fine. Rolls in and, and drops off the bread, and but she also looks like she's asking Shelly for something. Well, she's just explaining how
0: she has recently become the town's most well-regarded breadsmith, and she won an award for breadsmithery. but it was not a monetary award, so can she borrow some money? <laughs> can I borrow some
1: money, Mom? Yeah.
0: Mom? Okay. So, yeah, it's her daughter. Oh, well, that's never said. Well, it's implied,
1: like the oh, you can't. Yeah, oh, you're right. They don't. I don't
0: trust implications in Twin Peaks, yeah. man. It's it's that's true. Who that's knows? A Dangerous
1: road to go down. I mean, I had assumed as much. Okay, but they didn't say it. So yeah, Becky needs some cash. Yeah, and we're not too sure why uh, until she goes outside yeah. and we see oh fuck, her boyfriend is Steve Burnett and from fucking rat hair. And that's not her boyfriend; it's her husband.
0: Oh they're no! Married.
1: Yeah, they're married. Oh Dumb no! Dumb kids, Adam. We need to stage an intervention for Becky. Yeah, Norma tries here at the end of the scene telling Shelly that, you know, she's never going to change if you keep bailing her out. And it's true, you know, sometimes people just need tough love and they need to land hard to figure out how God, to. God, how did Shelly let again. this
0: happen? Shelly. Married to Leo. How did she allow that to happen?
1: Here we go. Back to the donut, back to the pie, oh, back to fuck. the ring, circular trauma. Shelly's daughter making the same mistakes. We've got another evil horn lurking yeah. twin peaks that things are happening again. They're not they're unable to break free of this destructive loop that all these characters have been trapped in since the eighties. Burn the town down. Yeah, just destroy the it only all. Way. It's gonna keep happening again and again and again. So they leave, and Steve doesn't like the fact that they're staring him down. He feels embarrassed. Borrowing money or asking his wife or girlfriend, whatever, to borrow money from her well, mom. Well, if they're married, she's his wife. Yeah. Adam. This fucking scumbag has got
0: a sick T Top Firebird. I'll yeah, give it's... him that much. Like he is a dirt ball with a rat nest
1: of a yeah. head. Just like Leo, sweet car, drug problem, yep. toxic personality, bad hair.
0: God damn it. They just found a modern Leo. Yeah.
1: But unlike. Not a great actor. <laughs> but unlike <laughs> Shelly, who didn't really have a drug problem, it turns out Becky does because Steve busts out some cocaine. And she is flabbergasted that he managed to consume almost all of it. And his excuse was, well, I had an interview with uh, the snake. So I get really nervous. Nervous.
0: Okay. So you're sure they're married? And the reason I ask is because they're talking and he says, kiss me. And she looks disgusted at the thought of having to do that. And I had to swallow some vomit that came up when he said it because this dude is fucking gross. They are married. Wow, she does not want to kiss this man who is apparently her husband.
1: I mean, redheads are disgusting. Am I right? I know. Right. Well, oh. I'm just glad I lost all my hair because now my beard is the only thing. That's yeah, they red. Could, people could still tell. <laughs> they know. They could tell from your pale skin. Yeah, and the fact that your body is like a road map of veins. Yeah, we're disgusting <laughs> human beings. <sighs> It's a funny joke,
0: Adam, because you're a redhead, and so am I, and uh-huh. we're talking about this disgusting redhead person. Anyway, <laughs> the listeners who can't see us totally get it. <laughs> uh, I wish that they'd introduced some new kinds of drugs the Twin Peaks. They did, in theory, with the Chinese new designer, designer drugs. drug. Yeah, but these old fogies are still here doing cocaine.
1: God, get with the times, youngsters. People still do cocaine. <sighs> then they go for a drive which yeah. yeah turn up the tunes what's what song was that that was like an old doo song or something
0: it was an old doo song i don't know but we're gonna take a quick break and perhaps we'll google it to find out
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Las Vegas Car Wash Emporium. Las Vegas is a hell of a place, and in all of the excitement you're sure to have, well, mistakes can be made.
0: Hey, and that's okay. You're here to have fun. Listen, maybe you drank until you puked up 10 pounds of shrimp cocktail in the passenger seat of your rental. Or
1: maybe you ran over a passing Elvis impersonator. Either way. Your car's disgusting! Bring it to the Las Vegas Car Wash Emporium. You'll still regret last night, but at least the evidence will be scrubbed away. Welcome back to the Black Lodge Complaint Department. The The name of that song was I Love How You Love Me by the Paris Sisters. Of course. We all knew that. That's an old classic. We prepare so well for our show. We're very good. We're very good. We're going to move back down to
0: the Lucky 7 Insurance Company where we just get some solid elevator humor.
1: Yes, this is an office by way of Twin Peaks. Most classic. Timeless humor on the planet. Dougie Cooper is standing in the elevator facing everybody, shuffling out for the day. They're ready to go home.
0: Yep. The elevator
1: dings and he won't move.
0: And that's it. I feel like we could have probably left this scene out. There's a few in this episode we could have cut.
1: The show must be 18 hours.
0: Okay. So we're going to jump back to Twin Peaks. See, again, feel like we could have left uh, the elevator bit out altogether and stayed in one place. But we move to the sheriff's department.
1: Yeah, we're in the conference room still with Hawk and Andy, who looks like Lucy finally gave up and probably went home to crash and (laughs) hang out with Wally. But they're still looking for information that might be missing, and they're not really finding anything.
0: Poor Hawk. You know this guy hates paperwork. It's well-established. It's Twin Peaks canon. He's exhausted. Adam, you know, if the department had digitized all their old files, they could just search through things with a click of a few keys on the keyboard. These guys. You think
1: they would have digitized a you know a murder as prolific as Laura's. Yeah.
0: But it doesn't matter. We're going to my favorite scene of the entire <laughs> episode. I love that this was a pleasant surprise for you. Oh my God. So we're in Jacoby's shanty. A <laughs> lot of woodland
1: shanties in Twin Peaks. I like his setup. He's got a very great eye for clutter.
0: Yeah. Jacoby, of course, Jacoby
1: has a YouTube channel. He does. Dr. Amp.
0: okay. Nothing in Twin Peaks has ever made as much sense as Jacoby leaning into some sort of right-wing conspiracy bullshit on the internet. It is beautiful. It is perfect. Can I play you a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Of Jacoby's Dr. Amp rant. What's on your mind tonight? I mean, you know I'm gonna tell you what's on mine. We're sinking down deep in the mud, and the fucks are at it again. The same vast... Global corporate conspiracy, different day. You can't see it without a cosmic flashlight. Guess what? I've got one, oh yeah. And it's beam, it penetrates the, the Ignatius rock of ignorance. It flips that rock over and there they are, exposed wriggling, squirming, crawling on their bellies like foul maggots, frantically racing back to the cover of darkness that they so crave are
1: coming for you. He is juiced, man. He's <laughs> energized. He's got oh, yeah. the fire in his belly. Oh, shit. So, yeah, we find out <laughs> what the hell he's been doing with those gold shovels that you had right. to sit for two minutes and watch him paint. Two minutes and 15 seconds, sir. Yeah, I'm glad you remember that. And he's selling shit shovelers. Shovel your way out of the
0: shit. With his $29.95... Golden shovel. Two coats, Dan.
1: Two coats. Well, I mean, that's how you keep it watertight. I'd imagine that it would probably start chipping pretty No, 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 no. (laughs) You're digging
0: through shit. Yeah, you're right. It's soft.
1: So, but what's cool here is that they established that Nadine listens yes! to Dr. Amp. Yes, Nadine's trip. still around. And did you see her surrounded by drape books and stuff? Yeah. So she's got her own drapery business. Yeah. So good uh, job, Nadine. Jerry was watching, just sitting in the woods. Smoking a blunt, yeah. yeah. And Jerry was watching on his iPad. So yeah, all, all the people in Twin Peaks that are kind of ended up following their dream or stayed true to themselves, you know, are tuning in to Dr. Amp. And I love that Jacoby is that kind of that fire, that beacon, like things are not well, things are wrong. Things are rotten and, you know, we have to work together and get out of it. So it's a cool message and I love what they did with the
0: character. You know what's so great about season three so far and this whole thing, this culmination is at the beginning we see a weird delivery of a bunch of shovels. That's weird. Why did he order so many shovels? Later on we see him painting all these shovels gold and we're like, what is happening? And I feel for like for the first time something new in Twin Peaks, closure.
1: This scene gives us closure. You would never need to see Jacoby again. Like, that was enough. The whole series, yeah. like, okay, I get it. It's yeah. cool.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. With Twin Peaks, this is a new feeling.
1: Well, closure. and it's and it's
0: nestled into this really unassuming episode. I mean, shovels, who knew? Anyway, I, Jacoby's going to make a killing selling golden yeah. shovels. Good job, Jacoby. We're going to go to D.C. Yeah, let's do it. The In Pentagon.
1: Where we meet Colonel Davis. Now Played by actor Ernie Hudson from Ghostbusters.
0: It's yeah, okay. God, I was like, I know this face too. Why I couldn't lock it yeah. in, of course. Great actor. Great, great actor. So I was wondering, do you think Colonel Davis, do you think his character's named after Don?
1: Yeah, he is. Okay. Yeah, it's a nod to... That's nice. Mm-hmm. I like it. I liked it. Well, Lieutenant Cynthia Knox... Rolls in and she's got some exciting, well, not exciting news, but some, hey, this popped up kind of news. Like, I know you're probably not going to care, but someone found some Briggs prints. Yeah, some Briggs parts. But what's crazy here is that Davis kind of scoffs. He's like, what is that? 16 times in the last 25 years? 16 times they've had hits on his fingerprints. This is another heavy implication that he did not die in the fire in 89 that he was jumping through time. Yeah, is he dead yet? No, he's not dead. He's ascended. I
0: mean, yeah, we saw his head earlier in space. So you don't think he has a physical form anymore? You think this is the last Yeah, that's Major yeah. Garland Briggs?
1: And for all intents and purposes for everyone else in the show, that's yeah. when he died and that's when he'll stay dead, you know. But we know that it's not quite that simple. Well, they're heading
0: to Buckhorn, South Dakota. And I wonder if there's going to be... She doesn't know there's a body. But I wonder if there's going to be like a a clash coming up in Buckhorn, you know, with all these various
1: forces converging in this one place. Yeah, this is definitely a moving the pieces kind of episode. I really enjoy it. I enjoy that aspect of it. I feel like I'm going to be disappointed. And you're right to question things that you're seeing for the first time because you know damn well... This could be a detour that is just flavor and not right. super important. You know, we've already hit a few of those. That shit is disappointing to me, man. <laughs> but for now, let's go to the Roadhouse, shall we? Yeah, this is a pretty nasty scene here. <laughs>
0: yeah. Fuck so- that sign that says the Bang Bang Bar that wasn't there in season one and two. Miss me with that shit. It's the fucking Roadhouse.
1: So the band Trouble was playing their, ah. their hit song. The song was okay. They have a fucking
0: Robert Pattinson stand-in on lead guitar. And what bugged me about it more than anything was that the track was slightly out of sync with the musicians on stage. Mm-hmm. It lessened my
1: enjoyment of the song. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we cut to this skeevy-looking, skinny guy sitting alone in a booth with a very large no-smoking sign beneath him. And he's just chilling back, trying to look like a badass, smoking a cigarette. We know right away this guy's a total asshole. We don't know to the degree. We know he's a dick. Yeah. And in front of him, or next to him, I should say, there is a booth of several friends. Yeah.
0: So these women... They're giggling. They're having a good time laughing because one in particular is kind of making
1: eyes at our our scrawny dick bag here. But before that, the bartender comes up and tells Richard to put out the cigarette. Right. And he says something to the effect of, you know, why don't you make me? And then our good friend... Deputy Chad rolls up. So the bartender recognizes Chad as local law enforcement and basically says, hey, make sure this guy stops smoking, and he yeah. walks away. Chad does not make Richard put out a cigarette. He, In fact, he asks for his own, and yeah. Richard says, sure, why don't you have the whole pack? And he takes it and walks away. And He
0: pulls out a second pack of cigarettes, actually. He's holding a pack is of real, cigarettes. real, yeah.
1: So this, those cigarettes were just cash, yeah. payoff. So we know that Chad is a douche to the ninth degree. He's I corrupt. assume he's selling cocaine, as all... Law enforcement agents do in the Pacific Northwest. And things take a very startling and, and violent turn here as one of the girls works up enough courage to yeah. ask Richard for a light. Yeah, she's trying to break the rules too to prove to Richard how cool yeah. she is because,
0: you know, she's making eyes at him. She wants to be flirty. And then, like, Ugh, Adam. He fucking grabs her by the neck. He grabs throat.
1: her by the neck and immediately yeah. assaults her and starts talking about raping her. Like Yeah. Dude. Richard, Richard Horn is chaotic evil through and through. He is pure evil. So another cyclical nature of Twin Peaks that we've got another horn albeit a much younger one, running around causing trouble. Before, it was Ben and Jerry, and things are happening again. The kids of the characters are making the same mistakes. And
0: how is not every motherfucker not up on their
1: feet immediately oh, yeah. when this happens?
0: Yeah. And There's they're... a table full of burly-looking dudes right behind him, yeah, and they, and they kinda... just they just turn and look, You're right, and then <laughs> just go back to their conversation. And
1: this isn't the first time that something like this happens in the Roadhouse, where something startling happens, yeah. and people ignore it. And it's very much a commentary on how... Evil can flourish if we don't stand up. And they, right. in the real world, this dude would have been laid the fuck out. Yeah. But it's another, I think this is another tie back to the key to Mr. C. Something isn't right. Like, is it because the Black Lodge is starting to win? Is it because that this isn't a normal place? It's very much intentional that nobody comes to her rescue. Really? Right? It's like, what the fuck? And it, something happens again in a future episode that this is a recurring theme that, Bad things are happening and people aren't noticing it. So it is a very startling and violent scene. And he's played very well because he just slimy and he just when he starts grinning, he just looks horrifying. He looks yeah. like a monster. He's very joker esque.
0: Someone needs to punch this dude in the face. Yeah, he dick. is
1: a fucking dickhead. So we have yeah, we've established that Richard Horn is a is a bad, bad man. Son to a, a one Audrey Horn. Oh no. Well,
0: for now we're gonna go to I'm not sure where. We're going to Tammy, Agent Tammy. I don't know if we are still at the FBI field office or if we're back in Philadelphia. It doesn't really matter. She's working the
1: case. Yeah. She's looking at pictures of current Cooper and 1989 Cooper, as well as fingerprints. Yeah. And things aren't adding up for her. Much like things weren't adding up for me and you in some points of this episode. I think these are very intentional themes that he's cycling back to through this episode.
0: Yeah. She overlays the two fingerprints and they're, they're not identical as they yeah. you'd think they should be. Although. And I didn't do the research on this because it just hit me that I think that fingerprints can change a yeah, person you're over time.
1: you probably right. I should have looked that up. But for our story, they don't add up because she's like,
0: mm, they're not the same yeah. person. So
1: Tammy is, Gordon was right. Tammy's got, she's the got stuff. the
0: stuff. She's got what it takes.
1: So, We moved back to Fargo. Fargo. No, we do not. We moved back to South Dakota. Yeah. Back to the state penitentiary. We're going to see that call that Cole wanted to listen in on. If you were in the previous episode, he said he wanted to make sure Cooper got his private phone call. Right. And he wants to hear all about it.
0: And this phone call, I'm sure, is going to be very good and very informative. It's going to give us new information that helps us understand the story better. Uh, no.
1: But it's kind of an interesting scene because we get again we have Mr. C manipulating technology to further his evil <laughs> his evil plans. Evil plans for... <laughs> okay, so he dials way too many digits for a phone number, and then the security system goes crazy. Goes nuts. So yeah, yeah. it just starts going crazy, and it's only in the control booth where yeah. they're supposed to be recording and listening to his conversation. So okay, that's he what did I this. Thought. Yeah, he did this so they couldn't. He knew they were going to be listening, so he throws a distraction in the control booth, and he says. The cow jumped over the moon. Yep. End of call.
0: Real quick, though, if that's just happening in the control booth, does he not know that you can just, like, record this stuff? So if they're recording what's happening in his room, they can play it back quietly
1: later. Before we move on, okay. uh, we kind of skipped this real quick, but I do think it's worth noting that before Mr. C made his call, he looked into the camera and said, who should I call? Should I call Mr. Strawberry? And the warden, his face just drops. Like, he's reacting in terror. So, Mr. C has some information related to the warden. So, you can imagine that that he's got a plan on how to get out of the prison. I
0: assume that Mr. Strawberry is the warden's cocaine supplier because we're just all about law enforcement agents selling or dealing in cocaine, specifically cocaine,
1: no other drugs. Yeah. Well, this ties into the fact that after he says the cow jumped over the moon, we cut to Buenos Aires and we have confirmation that that dingy basement that we saw earlier in the episode is, in fact, in Argentina. Yeah,
0: you're just overlooking the fact that we're going international, baby. We are. Yeah. And if
1: you remember, Buenos Aires was also the location of the man That Mr. C killed. So there's some kind of correlation here. And the box, which seems to be in a copper bowl, shrinks. It just melts into like a little silver knob. You know, it's back to argent, silver, something to do with. And remember, we know that elements like silver and gold are very powerful and, you know, as far as moving between worlds. Well, I thought that it had something to do with actual Dougie shrinking into a small gold ball. Yeah, it could be. I'm not too sure. This is one of the mysteries that you're not going to get any serious closure <laughs> on. I love how mysterious it is and creepy and weird. And I want to know, and if for some reason Twin Peaks were to come back, I feel like there are a lot of these little seeds planted throughout the series that they could go in interesting directions. So...
0: Well, Adam, the sun has set on Lucky 7 Insurance, and we're
1: ending our episode here. Out in the courtyard of this yeah. office. And we forgot to mention it earlier, but when Cooper got to work for the day, there was a big statue, and he was just obsessed with it because it was a lawman. And it yeah. was a, a man, you know a man with a badge and a gun. And the things that seem to jog his memory, he gets pulled in by. And You think that's what's happening here? Yeah, yeah. He's maybe trying to remember or thinking, I don't know. But he's definitely entranced by the statue, which was not a part of the landscape. That statue was brought in by Lynch. And no one really knows who it is or what it is. But he called it Dad during when they were filming. So Janie E. dropped Dougie off at work. Did not think that she would have to pick him <laughs> up. Like, what is happening? She knows how bad he is right now. Yeah, and
0: and that's our episode. Yep,
1: that's it. So yeah, very unassuming episode, but yeah. man, a lot of weird shit happened. A lot of here. weird shit. So yeah, we'll take a quick break and come back and share our final thoughts of the episode. Adam, let's do that.
0: wouldn't want the hunky hero and the fantastic leading lady to be brought to life with love and lust a smutcast, indulge in a radio drama filled to the brim with romance laughs and all those wonderfully awkward moments that come with a new relationship and don't forget those delicious sexy parts that make romance novels oh so fun to enjoy season one of love and lust is available now at calamitycast.com or anywhere that you can find podcasts In modern day Bristol, someone is copying one of the most infamous serial killers of all time, Jack the Ripper. Only this time, the story is different. A woman survives and decides to get her revenge by taking the law into her own hands. But in so doing, she awakens a darkness deep inside her. If you like suspense, thrillers and serial killers tune in to Jane the Ripper an audio drama coming to calamitycast.com Halloween 2019 Welcome back everyone
1: we have just finished part 5 Twin Peaks, The Return. Daniel, your initial thoughts on the episode where I don't really like it, but now that you've yeah. had a chance to sit down with a fan like me and someone that has a little more experience and has seen the show multiple times and can yeah. kind of help guide you along the strange narrative path that Lynch and Frost Do you Is this episode elevated a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Actually, more than the, the previous two, I would say that I was really down on episode
0: four. I don't even remember that and not a fan of episode three or episode two, but this one uh, it's brought it back up for me a little bit. There were some interesting things, some not so interesting things, some not as so well. interesting things. It's just that now that I have so much experience with Twin Peaks, I kind of see when a thing is might not go in a place at all, like not even a place that I will appreciate in the end, but will just fizzle and die. The kid in Ranchero Rosa, like, does that gonna mean anything? So stuff like that. The characters at Lucky Seven Insurance, do they mean anything overall? Or are we just spending time with people that don't matter? Yeah.
1: And that's like with any new show we're see- we're witnessing for the first time that right. you know, we may have characters that we kind of latch on and then as we progress through the show we find out they're not as important as we had once thought, that sort of thing. And I would say that your criticisms of Dougie sleepwalking through life and everyone kind of not making a big deal out of it is a thing. And I think this episode also sheds some light on that because there are a series of red balloons throughout this episode. When yeah. Dougie shows up to work for the first time, there are five or six balloons in the morning, and then when he goes out at night, there's only one there's a red balloon for Sonny Jim's birthday behind one of the shots. I don't know if you've ever seen the 1956 French short film The Red Balloon, which is about...
0: Adam, you know I love French
1: cinema. It's an iconic short film about a young boy who goes on the adventures of this floating balloon, this balloon that just kind of floats through life and takes him and shows him all these wonderful things. And I think with Dougie... We are looking at a way that Frost is maybe working through some of the stuff he's going through with his dad. Um. This is maybe is also a way for Lynch to pay homage to one of his favorite films of all time where Dougie is kind of that red balloon here which kind of can bring us back to reality. Like, we see where he's going. We get that people should be taking him to the hospital. That should be what's happening. You know, but this is kind of the tale he's going for. I wish then, if that was
0: the case, I like the whole idea of Dougie following the red balloon. I wish his adventures were more fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's not fun. Like I don't care that they destroyed the character. I'm fine with that. That's fine. Tear it all down. Tear it all down. <laughs> but let us follow an interesting character, you know? Let's just follow Mr. C. Which is and we episode do. one is how I thought it was gonna go. Like yeah. let's...
1: and we get more Mr. C yeah. and you we are you know this is a very long movie. This yeah. is 18 hours. That is the only real downside to this being so long is that there are so many red herrings and so many little this and thats that yeah. it's hard to keep track of it all, especially when you're watching it week by week week that's
0: how we do All right. well in the meantime we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the black watch complaint department major thanks go out to retro promenade for providing our theme music and our interstitial music check out retro and give them money in exchange for digital goods that's how it works these days thanks also go to our pal ian mcgowan for
1: creating our jazz music check out his band the good deeds at good deeds if you want to talk twin peaks or your favorite conspiracy theorist Ours is Jacoby here. Use the hashtag BLCD on Twitter. That's right. We're still using it (laughs) where we're at CalamityCast at underscore DS Williams and at Sour underscore Bauer. Find us on Facebook at CalamityCast. Email us at CalamityCastNetwork at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out CalamityCast.com for more of our shows. We know you like us.
0: So why not leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever the hell you're listening for those of you that love us please consider heading over to patreon.com slash calamitycast and becoming a patron. For one-time donations, you can use paypal.me slash calamitycast. We also, as always, have t-shirts and other merch available at tpublic.com.
1: Search CalamityCast Network, that's all one word, to splurge on a new wardrobe. We'll return next week with Season 3, Episode 6 of Twin Peaks, and an episode of the Black Lodge Complaint Department that doesn't even have insurance. <laughs> Later, skaters. Bye. This has been a Calamity Cast production. For more content, visit calamitycast.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.